Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the ICO Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash Offer, not available in all areas. This might be the most wide open NFL season that we have seen in a generation. Before all is said and done, and we have. One more Monday night football game and then two full games left for everybody else. There is a lot of wildness that has taken place so far this year. The Saints now are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. If they go out and they win comfortably against the Panthers tonight, on Tuesday we'll probably come into the show and say, you know what, the Saints are clearly the best team in the NFL. But if the Saints lose to the Panthers, then it will fulfill basically the expectation that is out there right now, which is no one is safe, anyone can win. If your team makes the playoffs, they can advance to the Super Bowl this year in a way that I think proves why the NFL is the most entertaining and the best of the pro sports in our country Nobody has any idea, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you watch, what is going to happen from one moment to the next, from one game to the next, from one quarter to the next. If you went to bed early last night thinking that all the chaos of Sunday was over, you were wrong. The Philadelphia Eagles given up for dead when it was reported that Carson Wentz was out for the season. 
Nick Foles hops back into the saddle and leads to uh, leads the Eagles to another improbable win. The L.A. Rams, who looked like they were unbeatable just a few weeks ago, have now lost three games, including two in a row, during which their vaunted offense has fallen apart and during which Jared Goff has begun to look very, very average. Seven turnovers, interceptions, that is, for Jared Goff in the past two weeks. And the end result is, my God, we have one game, like I said, left before the week is out. But it is hard. I'm hard-pressed right now to look at the standings as we move into the playoffs, and I'll break down everything for you uh, before long. But I think other than the Rams' defeat, which was a massive one, they were finished as 13.5-point favorites, and they ended up losing by seven points. I think the big story coming out of yesterday is what I believe is the collapse of the New England Patriots. Now, I understand that a lot of you out there are going to say, Clay, you are crazy. When I tweeted yesterday in the immediate aftermath of the Patriots losing to the Steelers that I believed the Patriots dynasty was officially over, I got predictable responses from people who never want to believe that anything is going to change. But let me make the case for you right now, and then I'll put up a poll question and I will allow you guys to react In fact, I'll go ahead and give out the phone number, 877-996-6369. In the past two weeks, and I'm not even necessarily going to make as an integral part of this initial argument, what happened to the Patriots against the Detroit Lions, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, against the Tennessee Titans. In the past two weeks alone, the Patriots have looked to me like an ordinary team in the NFL That is merely good, not great. Let me explain. Last week, the New England Patriots went on the road against the Miami Dolphins, who is just, the Dolphins, I think it's fair to say, are a quintessentially average team in the NFL. The Dolphins are sitting at 7-7. With about 16 seconds left in that game, the Patriots took the field, knowing that the Dolphins effectively had one, maybe two plays left to run. And they got hit on the hook and ladder. And Kenyon Drake took it into the end zone for a touchdown. And that dropped the uh, New England Patriots to 9-4. and four, And a lot of us, myself included, who were watching that live were shocked. Not because a crazy thing happened in an NFL game. That occurs all the time. But because a crazy thing happened in an NFL game that went against the Patriots. Losing in that fashion, in that game, was the most unpatriots outcome imaginable. It was the very opposite of do your job. Everybody didn't do their job. Okay, but the Patriots fell to 9-4. And And yesterday, last week, I came on the show and I said, you know what? I'm taking the Patriots in this game against the Steelers. Because when was the last time you can remember a regular season game that the Patriots desperately needed to win, that they didn't win. Especially against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who Tom Brady has completely owned. Coming into this game yesterday, in the history of the NFL, no individual player had ever dominated any franchise in the history of the game 
like Tom Brady had dominated against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also, the road to a playoff bye was wide open still for the Patriots. And we all know that the Patriots need to be having home field advantage in Foxborough in order to make the run to the Super Bowl. The road to the Super Bowl for the Patriots has almost always rolled through Foxborough. And then what happens? The Patriots come out and get beaten. And don't just get beaten. It wasn't as if the Steelers played a flawless game. They, the Steelers did, missed a chip shot field goal, which, by the way, is what the Steelers have done all season long. Driving, they throw a costly interception around midfield that the, that the Patriots pick off. There were ample opportunities for the Patriots to have won and taken control in that game, and yet they couldn't do it. And not only did they lose, they only posted 10 total points. And if you watch that game, the only touchdown the Patriots put up in the entire game was on an absolute busted play from the Steelers' defense. Suddenly, Chris Hogan found himself with nobody on his side of the field, and Brady hit him for a touchdown. That was the only play all day that the New England Patriots made. In the first quarter, 63-yard touchdown pass. That was it. That was effectively the Patriots' offense on a day where they needed to get that win to get the bye. As a result, they are now sitting at 9-5. and five. They face the possibility of missing the playoffs bye for the first time since 2009. Right now, the Houston Texans would be the number two overall seed in the NFL playoffs. For the first time since 2002, the New England Patriots have lost back-to-back games in December. Tom Brady is having his lowest passer rating in over five years. And the Patriots have all of their weapons out on the field, and they just look old, they look slow, and they look like an average team in the NFL who is good, not great. In fact, I would make the argument for you that if the Patriots weren't in the AFC East this year, the Patriots are likely still to finish 5-1 and one in the AFC East. Would the Patriots win any other AFC division this year? Think about it. They wouldn't win the AFC West. They're not as good as the Chargers, and they're not as good as the Chiefs. I don't know if the Patriots would make the playoffs if they were in the AFC West. Remember, they're just six and four against everybody else. They're four and uh, three and one, four and one. What is the math? Three and one right now against the AFC East. They are six and four against everybody else in their division. Would they win the AFC West? No, they wouldn't. Would they win the AFC South? I don't think they would. We saw what happened to them when they went on the road against the Titans. They lost 34-10. to They beat the Colts early in the season, and they beat the Texans early in the season. 
But would they have beaten both those teams twice? I don't think they would have. I don't think there's any way. So I don't think they would win the AFC South. I don't think they would win uh, the AFC North. I really don't. You look at the way Baker Mayfield and the Browns are playing right now. We saw what the Steelers just did to him. Do you feel good against about Brady and that team against the Ravens defense? I'm telling you right now, the Steeler beatdown of the Patriots, to me, combined with the way they lost in the last two weeks, plus, and here's my final point here in the last two weeks, the un-Brady-like playing of Tom Brady. Last week against the Dolphins, yes, the Patriots lost in an unexpected fashion that was thoroughly un-Patriots. But you know what the most surprising play in that entire game against the Dolphins was? Tom Brady getting sacked at the end of the first half and the clock running out without the Patriots at least making a field goal. Tom Brady just doesn't do that. That mental error doesn't happen for Tom Brady that he gets sacked with no time left on the on the clock and that the Patriots got no points there at the end of the first half, which ended up costing him at the end of the game because it was still a game where they could allow the other team to score. And also, by the way, at the end of regulation, their final possession, they kicked a field goal instead of getting a touchdown there. Patriots usually get a touchdown there at the end of the game, so it wouldn't have even mattered what the Dolphins did. And then, how about the interception that Brady threw trailing 14-10 when it was clear on third down that worst-case scenario there, the Patriots could kick a field goal and be in a position where they could come back down potentially and get a field goal or be driving back down with a chance to win it. It was an awful interception. An awful decision. Throwing off his back foot, Brady hung one up in the air that Joe Hayden picked off. Brady is not playing like Brady. The Patriots are not playing like the Patriots. I believe their dynasty is over. Am I insane or do you agree with me based on what you've seen the past two weeks? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Um, I will uh, I, I will bring in the crew here. Top of hour two, I'll break down the playoff picture. In hour three, we'll talk with our guy Alex Marvez. The playoff picture is going to take like 20 minutes to actually break down. And you're needing to get it like a pencil and uh, like cross all these different angles that like... Everybody, it feels like, is still alive for the playoffs just about. Uh, and there are so many different moving parts right now. I'll do my best to break it down for you at the start of Hour 2. In Hour 3, we'll talk with Alex Marvez. We're obviously breaking down everything in the NFL um, in the wake of what was a wild weekend. And to me, the biggest takeaway is that the Patriots appear to be dead. Um, as big time, you got to be afraid of them, the, the, the dynasty. I believe the New England Patriot dynasty is over. Before this season, my crazy prediction was, I believe that the Patriots would go 8-8 and and lose the AFC East. It's not going to happen. They may still finish 11-5. It's the first time, I think, in eight years that they have not won at least 12 games. First time since 2009 that they are in severe danger of not winning a bye. 
First time since 2002 that they've lost back-to-back games in December. And I think you combine all of those things. And again, I know they get to finish with the Jets, and I know they get to finish with the Bills, both in Foxborough. I think it's Bills, then Jets, by the way. And both those teams are not very good, and they haven't been very good forever, which is one of the reasons the Patriots have had the dynasty that they have, because the AFC East has been awful. As good as the Patriots have been, the rest of their division has been complete trash. And frankly, so has every quarterback just about in that entire AFC East division for almost the entirety of Tom Brady's tenure with the Patriots. But when you look at the overall storyline of the Patriots, they are behaving in utterly unpatriots fashion. I am officially pronouncing the New England Patriots dynasty to be over. Brady looks old. The rest of the team, even somebody like Rob Gronkowski, not a dynamic playmaker. The wide receiving core, uh, just okay. The offensive line, getting Brady hit more than I remember him getting hit in a very long time. I think all of it is conspiring to lead us to the conclusion that the Patriots are merely a good team. They're one of about 15 teams that are pretty good in the NFL this year. And as a result, I don't think that they are very likely to advance very far in the playoffs. It wouldn't even stun me if the Patriots are playing in the wild card weekend, if they lost in week one, because that's the kind of season they have had. Uh, let me bring in the crew. I want to start with Eddie Garcia, because Eddie, you are a, uh, a Steelers fan, so you watch a lot of these Steelers games, and you've watched what Tom Brady and the Patriots have done time after time after time to uh, the Steelers, how they've just yanked out their still beating hearts and held it up for them to look at. I said before, in the modern history of the NFL dating back to 1970, no quarterback has owned an opponent like Tom Brady has owned the Steelers. And it wasn't as if the Steelers, to me, watching that game, played that great of a game. Yes, they won, but Boswell was Boswell. He couldn't make field goals. He shanked a, a field goal that should have given the Steelers a 10-point lead. Roethlisberger was just okay. Um, you know, look, they made some plays. They only scored 17 points. Defensively, I thought they played pretty well. They gave up one busted play touchdown to Hogan in the first quarter. Otherwise, didn't give up any touchdowns. But it's not like if you watch that game by the Steelers, you thought, oh, they put up their A-plus game. To me, it was more about the Patriots looking old, looking slow, and not being able to win a regular season game that they desperately needed to win that, oh, by the way, would have knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs for now and really put the Steelers' season on life support given the fact that they go on the road next week against the Saints. You've watched this script happen a a million times. What did you think, Eddie Garcia? Am I crazy for saying this does not feel like the Patriots of old? Are you crazy? No, you are not crazy. Now, I'm not ready to say that the Patriots can't win the Super Bowl this year. I think they can go to the Super Bowl. I think it would be an upset if they were to win it. But the AFC, I'm still not convinced with a lot of the, I mean, Kansas City, I know how great they've looked this year, but it's Andy Reid in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. Houston, you know, I'm not ready to bet any money on them. I I, I think the Patriots are still in the picture. Right now, let's say this for the Patriots. What would happen if you look at the playoffs right now, here's what the Patriots would have to do. Okay, here's an easy way to think about it. The Patriots would have to beat, if everything stayed the exact same as it is right now, and obviously there's still a lot of moving parts here, but if the playoffs started next weekend, the Patriots would host probably the worst matchup they could have. 
They would host the Baltimore Ravens in Foxborough. We know the only team that has been capable of going on the road and beating the Patriots in Foxborough in the playoffs has been the Ravens. And that defense the Ravens have would eat Tom Brady in that offensive line, I believe, alive. Now, look, Lamar Jackson, whether he's ready to win a playoff game, I think that was actually the best thing that the, that the Patriots would have going for them. But so you have to get past the Ravens in the wild card. Then you would have to go on the road, assuming everything held. You'd have to go on the road against that Houston Texans defensive line. Your offensive line can't block, and you'd have to beat the Texans in Houston, which I think would be a pretty tough. I don't think the, the Houston Texans are great, but I think that would be a pretty tough game. And then if you won that one, you would have to go, and everything held according to plan, you'd have to go on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. The if Patriots they're, if are they're not still around. If they're still around. I'm not convinced that the, the – I'll believe it when I see it with the Chiefs. I'm sorry. I know they've had a great regular season, but the playoffs are a different animal. Look, I'm not I'm – not, you're not crazy with what you're saying. Look, I've seen the Patriots beat the Steelers many times, and the thing that struck me was the number of penalties – that yeah, they had what, 14, 14 penalties, yeah. key penalties. That's not what you're used to seeing with a Bill Belichick coach team. They're always going to be smarter than you. They're always going to be more disciplined than you. That wasn't the case yesterday. And the, and drop passes. Just, I mean, to me, I know the Brady interception, you, it's easy to put a spotlight on that, and I, I get why you would. But to me, the penalties and the drop passes and just bad fundamental football was a thing that really stood out to me. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. I am officially pronouncing the Patriots dynasty to be over. Now, I've been wrong before. But people out there who say, oh, you can't pronounce the Patriots dynasty. That Patriots dynasty is going to die at some point. And I believe I have seen enough evidence of it this year that the Patriots dynasty is dead. Doesn't mean they may not make the playoffs. Doesn't mean they may not win a game in the playoffs. Their chances of winning the Super Bowl are no different than any other of 15 or even 18 teams that are out there that still have a hope that they can make the playoff. Are you with me, Danny G? Well, they do look like an average team right now. I'll give you that. I, I, they're the kind of team, though, that you never want to count out because they could get healthy here in the last couple of games. And what I mean by healthy is all those mental mistakes. You guys are right on with talking about the 14 penalties. That's what stood out to me. What's crazy is eight of those came before the snap, and you hardly ever see big mistakes in December from the Patriots. And uh, four drop passes, a couple of those were in crucial moments. The biggest penalty that stood out to me was on that last drive. They had that holding penalty in the red zone, which took away all the momentum. And then the game ended with Brady throwing three straight incompletions. None of none of them were even close. To the first two were very unbrady like yeah. They were out of the back of the end zone, and they were utterly uncatchable. The third one he just had to kind of put it somewhere in the vicinity and but it wasn't a very well thrown ball either but last season you said this a couple of times you also at the start of this season said the Patriots were dead and then they beat a couple of great teams and then you came on and said well they're not dead I spoke too yeah, soon so but I'm, I'm re I'm rechanging my my story I'm going back to my original take when they lost to back-to-back games they lost to I think it was the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars who we know are not very good now and then they lost when they lost to the Detroit Lions and looked really bad. I said, you know what? I, I I've got severe reservations. And then they got back home and they won a lot of uh, close games. I mean, they beat the the Chiefs in a close game, and uh, and that was the uh, Patriots are not dead yet. But I think if you look at what's happened the last two weeks, again, you go to that stat. 
they have not lost back-to-back games in December since 2002. I mean, that is a long-ass time. They have not lost five games in a season in this situation going a long way back. Now, they're fortunate again to get to finish with the Bills and the Jets. But you know what? I think they got the Bills coming up next week. It wouldn't stun me if the Bills keep it close against them. Because the Jets, and it wouldn't stun me if the Jets keep it close against them either. Both of those teams are playing better. The Jets nearly beat the Texans. Uh, Maybe should have beaten the Texans. So I'm just, again, I think you look at what's going on with the Patriots right now. I think they look like an average good team in the NFL. And average good teams in the NFL get beat on a regular basis. I had my guys on Lock It In look this up. And the Patriots are likely to uh, have already lost three games to non-playoff teams, which is something that they never do. They lost to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins aren't likely to make the playoffs. They lost to the Detroit Lions. The Lions are not making the playoffs. They are eliminated. And they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are not making the playoffs, and they are eliminated. They also have been very bad on the road. They have not been good at all on the road this season, losing what all five of their games so far this year that they've lost have been on the road. And if you look at the playoff picture right now, they lost this game, which for the moment knocked them out of being the number two overall seed. Now, maybe you can argue, look, the Houston Texans have to go on the road against the Eagles this weekend uh, coming up. Maybe the Texans are going to lose that game. Maybe the Texans could lose to Jacksonville to close out the season. Certainly that could happen. But if the Texans win out and finish... Uh, with uh, with two more wins, which would get them to twelve and four, I believe, then the Patriots are in the, on the on the road potentially for two different weeks. We know they'd be on the road for at least one game, and potentially they'd be on the road for two different games. And so, I just don't see the road to the Super Bowl running through New England. Uh, Dub, am I crazy? You're not crazy, and two things really stand out to me. One of them you just mentioned on the road, not very good. Three and five, two of those th- uh, three wins against the Jets. And Buffalo, and another thing is Rob Gronkowski is not is not the old Rob Gronkowski yeah. we've seen the past few years, and that is a huge thing for Brady in this offense, in my opinion. I mean, he is just not open anymore. He had, well, I think, two catches yesterday against the Steelers, and he, he just doesn't look like himself. He doesn't look explosive or healthy, and Brady c- continued to try to look for him there. I think at least one of the throws that sailed into the uh, end zone was Brady trying to look for Gronk, and uh, that's a good point. I mean that Brady just doesn't have that security blanket. And you feel like Bill Belichick knew it, which is why he made the move to try to go get Josh Gordon. It's why he's tried to figure out if they can use Corderell Patterson in any kind of way in the passing game. They just don't have a dynamic downfield passing threat. And the way they scored, again, total busted coverage uh, to allow Chris Hogan in from 60-plus yards out. Otherwise, the Patriots just didn't have a dynamic playmaker there. Let's go take some of your calls. Uh, I think we got some people lined up. Uh, John in Phoenix, am I crazy? Hey, what's going on, Clay? Good morning, man. Appreciate the call. So I just wanted to kind of throw like a hypothetical at you. So the, the Patriots have been showing fractures since last offseason, obviously the beef between, you know, Kraft, Belichick, Brady, you know, whatever it may be. How about this hypothetical? The, the Patriots collapse, which it does look like it's happening. Brady gives Kraft an ultimatum, make McDaniels, the head coach, choose me or Belichick. Belichick goes to Cleveland as the new head coach to coach Baker Mayfield and wraps up his career in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'll hang up with this a minute. That'd be a hell of a that'd be a hell of a lot of moving parts. 
That, that's a hypothetical that happens after the season is over when I come in on a Wednesday and there's absolutely nothing going on. I'm like, hey, let's talk about the possibility of Bill Belichick leaving and going to take over the Browns to finish with Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, should be the rookie of the year. Baker Mayfield is playing better than Saquon Barkley, who got shut down by the Tennessee Titans. Baker Mayfield always got to go with the quarterback over the running back. Baker Mayfield should be rookie of the year. Catfish Jake in Nashville. What's up, my man? Hey, what's up, Clay? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm on board with you. For, for only one reason, I, I I think this year more than any other, the Patriots are losing uh, not just for for having a bad game here or there, but the mental mistakes, and they just don't look as interested and they look discombobulated. I think that's the reason that they uh, that I, that I agree with you. Usually, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went out and go win the Super Bowl. That wouldn't shock me in the least. But it looks like to me their dynasty is coming to an end because they just they're making uncharacteristic mistakes and. Sometimes they seem kind of disinterested, so I'm kind of on board with you there. And yeah. uh, Titans had a pretty good win yesterday. Yeah, Titans look dominant. Titans have given up uh, one touchdown uh, defensively in the last three games, so that they're one of many teams right now that I think if they get in the playoffs can make some noise. The other, I, I think that's a good point about the, the mental errors and the mistakes, 14 penalties. Usually what happens when you make penalties is you're trying to do too much. Why are you trying to do too much? Because you don't believe that what you have to offer is enough to win. Honestly, that's the story of a lot of times when you make mistakes. It's because you're trying to do way too much. You're trying to take advantage of, uh, of, of limited opportunity, and you're trying to excel in a way that you don't really have the capability of anymore. Taylor in Vermont. What's up, Taylor? Hi, um, I got a, a, a few comments on this one. Um, I, I mean, you, you you beat a few of them into the into the ground, but the, the penalty uh, issue, I, I, I was wondering if you think that that's a little bit having to do with the increase in penalty this year. I know that um, it's it's definitely just having a horrible effect on 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 you know their momentum going through the game. It's like every time you turn around, they're getting whistled for something. Um, but I, I have to say, you know, leaving that game, the only thing I wasn't horribly down on was Brady himself. I know he didn't look great in the very end there, but I feel like a little bit of that was some desperation, that interception he threw. It was like, you know, how many times they got to go down there? And I, I feel like Brady has also made the comment that maybe I just need to throw one out there. You know, he was, he's being a little bit too conservative. Um, and then kind of, I'll, I'll say one more thing and I'll let you go, but, um, you know, their dynasty is definitely over and it's, it's, it's hard to say, but, Every other piece besides, you know, Brady is Brady's withering a little bit, and then they just don't have anywhere to go. I mean, their offense, their defense, they're getting run right through. Um, they're like Swiss cheese, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see, but you can't count on the defense at all, and you can't count on the offense at all. So you can't even count on special teams anymore. So, you know, it, it's a hard time to be a fan, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and say – a lot of that game, I don't think was was necessarily on Brady's shoulders. Those four passes that were that were dropped, you had one that was a little bit behind White, but the two from Edelman and the one from Gordon, I think those were third downs. I mean, we just can't, we couldn't get anything together. And and uh, you know, Gronk had Gronk Gronk was interviewed and he was real nervous, saying, "I don't know if we're going to be able to come back from that." And that really struck a chord in me. And I feel like the Patriots knew they were teetering on being able to uphold greatness. And when they took that loss in Miami, I think it shattered a little something inside that bit of confidence where they were thinking, maybe we can pull this through. Now it's over. 
you you take this loss yesterday, and man, I don't have any confidence in him. I don't see him going very far. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Bring in now Alex Marvez. Uh, and Alex, question for you right off the top. You've been talking about him for a long time, as has anyone else who has talked about NFL uh, action. Is the Patriot dynasty dead? No, it is not. But it, a large part of what's going to happen with this year's team is going to be determined over the next two weeks. And I say that because this is a Patriots team first. I understand everyone pressing the panic button. They haven't lost consecutive games in December since 2002. That is also the last time that the Patriots failed to reach the playoffs, going 9-7 and seven that year. But, and they haven't played a first-round game since 2009. And we all remember how that ended up with them getting just absolutely demolished in that first-round game against the Baltimore Ravens. But here's the thing. Do they get home field advantage or not? I mean, look, eight Super Bowls, Belichick, Brady, for all eight of those appearances, they never had to leave Foxborough. I mean, they, they, you know, they were home for all of this. Now, right now, they're on the outside looking in when it comes to home field advantage. All of a sudden, the New England Patriots are the biggest fans in the world of the Philadelphia Eagles. Why is that? Well, if the Eagles beat the Texans in Week 16, and I know Houston's got Jacksonville at home Week 17, and you'd figure Houston would win that game, but if the Eagles are able to upset Houston, the Patriots went out against Buffalo and the Jets, they get one of those top two seeds. And that's really all that matters to them. It's a two-game season at that point playing at home, and the Patriots are a different animal when they're in Foxborough than they are on the road. So for everyone that's throwing you know, dirt in the grave and all that sort of stuff, do not bury these folks yet. But if they have to go on the road and play a first-round playoff game, yeah, I think the Patriots dynasty, I, I just can't see them winning three games on the road to get to where they need to be. So what's going on with the Patriots? But So obviously the Steelers got the win, but the Steelers didn't play, I didn't think, that well. You know, I mean, they won. Yes, they got 17 points. They gave up only 10, and obviously defensively they made the one mistake on the Chris Hogan long touchdown pass. Otherwise, they played pretty well. But when you look at this Patriot team, what is it about them that has them sitting at 9-5? and five? And by the way, they also won a couple of close other games that they could have theoretically lost. I mean, this has just been, uh, whether it's the collapse late against the Dolphins or whether it's the late interception, it just doesn't feel like the Patriots. The 14, uh, 14 penalties, uh, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, that was a huge part of it yesterday. Six on the offensive line play. I mean, you have to go back a long ways to see 14 penalties called on the Patriots. For the second straight week, it's a team that beat itself, right? I mean, you think about how they ended the game against the Dolphins. Terrible decision to put Rob Gronkowski on the field to try to defend, you know, a Hail Mary pass that was never coming. And you take your best defensive, you know, back out of out of there in Devin McCourty and you put Gronk in. That was a disaster. But, you know, you're right. I mean, look, these are uncharacteristic Patriots things. And I think the thing that you see is they just look older. You know, Tom Brady doesn't look as magical as he did. Rob Gronkowski, I mean, the end may be coming quick for this guy, man, and, and he may just walk away, you know, but he just doesn't look completely healthy. He's been in and out of the lineup this season. They've been trying to address the wide receiver position and get more dynamic throughout the entire year, and they whiffed every single time. You know, I mean, you think about the number of guys that they brought in and the number of guys who didn't work out. And whatever happened to Josh Gordon, by the way, and how is that experiment working out for you? So that, that's a big deal, and there's no, there's no real difference makers on defense. I mean, they've always been able to scheme and, and you know, again, trick teams and, and just play better collectively than individually. But this front seven is just, bleh. you know what I mean? There's just nobody out there that's like, wow, if I'm going to build a defense, I'm going to build it around blank. No, there isn't that guy there. But again, Patriots on the road, different team than Patriots at home. They still have nine wins. The Miami Dolphins, do we really trust that they're going to win out their final two games and the, and the Patriots are going to lose at home to Buffalo and the Jets? If that were to happen, you got bigger 
problems there. But I, I just think in the offseason, it's going to be interesting for New England. Does Tom Brady want to come back? Does he feel that he can continue to play at a high level? Do the Patriots start, you know, do, what type of investment do they make in the quarterback position this offseason? There's nobody waiting in the wings like a Jimmy Garoppolo that, that has you juice that they're going to be that next generation type of player for this team. So I think a lot, I mean, a lot more questions surrounding this Patriots team at this point of the season than there have been in any year that I can remember. What about the Cowboys? How nervous should the Cowboys be about the beatdown that they got in Indianapolis? Well, you know, it's interesting. They held the ball for 19 minutes and 18 seconds in the first half, and they didn't score. So it's a little bit of a quirky game. You know, listen, maybe we're underestimating the Colts. They've done a fantastic job this year of taking away a team's number one wide receiver, and they did just that with Amari Cooper. Only four catches for 32 yards. Listen, I get it. You know, the last time the Cowboys were shut out, we're talking 5,509 days ago. You've got to go back to week 11 of 2003 when Quincy Carter was playing, Troy Hambrick was leading the team in rushing. You know, the, you go back to those not-so-halcyon days of the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I think really more a blip. These games, Clay, when you get Dallas and Indianapolis, two teams that play every four years, I, I can't use it as a sample size. The other thing is Matt Eberflus, the, uh, the Colts, and, this, and I said this on Fox Sports Radio all weekend when I was asked about this game. Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, he came from the Dallas Cowboys as linebacker coach and I was wondering okay since being around that staff so much and seeing that Cowboys offense every day what are you going to do to come up to defuse it and and he did a really nice job but again I think we're underestimating this Colts team too I mean they are a hot team they can score points they got the running game going yesterday with Marlon Mack I mean that's uncharacteristic of this Colts team I just think outplayed outcoached the Dallas Cowboys this week but I don't think a reason for panic especially with Tampa Bay coming to town next week and finishing your season at the New York Giants I still think the Cowboys Cowboys win this division and land that number four seed. What about the Rams? What happened last night to the Rams? How much panic should there be in L.A. to the extent that people have embraced the Rams yet? Well, you know, the Todd Gurley situation during the game when he had to miss a couple series because of his knee was a significant issue. I mean, he's only had 23 carries in the past two games for 74 yards. And this was a guy who was on, you know, a pretty much a record-setting pace through the first half of the season. You get concerned about Jared Goff. I mean, look, six interceptions in the past two games, and you wonder how much is this offense missing Cooper Cup. I know that Josh Reynolds had a nice game last night, but Brandon Cooks, he disappeared. In that game, they haven't been able to get him really on track. And, you know, with the defense, man, you know, you, you think about it. I mean, and really it, it's like, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's like almost like a half-second difference in that game last night. Nick Foles with that incredible deep pass and Donovan Sue half-second late. You know what I mean? It's just some of the plays where Foles was taking an absolute beating, if Sue is there half a second quicker, man, everything changes. But, but you know, now you see why the, the, you know, the Rams traded for Dante Fowler Jr., in, you know, midway through the season. And Dante didn't you know show up last night in a big way but they realize they have a problem because if they cannot pressure that secondary for whatever reason and it, it, I don't know if it's just you know Marcus Peters sort of having a not as an elite a year as they thought but they're getting picked apart a bit you know and their linebacking crew isn't that great so that's been an issue for them as well and when they're not able to get pressure when teams can block Aaron Donald and can handle and Donna can sue and well the defense gets exposed a bit as well so these are, these are legitimate concerns for the Rams the good news for them they've got some time to 
figure it out because they've got Arizona and San Francisco over the next two weeks. And I know the 49ers are feisty. Yes, feisty. But again, these are games that this team should win. They are headed to the playoffs. They are. They have won the division. And as long as they don't screw it up and they win one of these final two games, they're at least going to get a first round bye. We're talking to Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. He joins us every single Monday in hour three. Okay, let's. Uh, I, I am fascinated by how something like this happens. Derrick Henry, for the first several years of his NFL <laughs> career, looks like he's going to be at best like a, a middle of the road running back in the NFL, right? Like not really extraordinary, not really bad. And then the past two games, he's turned into Earl Campbell. I mean, yeah. and, and that's not even an exaggeration. He just broke the two-game rushing record of Earl Campbell. He goes mm-hmm. for over 200 on Thursday Night Football, has a 99-yard run like Tony Dorsett did. A lot of people saw that. And then he follows it up with 170 on the road in a rough, you know, kind of rainy, ugly, foggy, uh, ugly environment, I would say, in general, in uh, against the Giants. What in the world's happened that he's suddenly awesome? Well, they've changed the offense. And, and you know, this is sometimes you get a first-year offensive coordinator in Matt LaFleur, and Matt is a guy who is from the Kyle Shanahan tree. I mean, he goes back a long way with Shanahan. So he comes in as your offensive coordinator. They're trying to put in West Coast-style concepts, which leads to different blocking on the offensive line. And when you think about a Kyle Shanahan offense, you usually don't think about a 250-pound running back you know, fe- being featured in that. You know, Normally they're going with lighter guys, uh, the one-cut-and-go type of players that, that can read the zone blocking. And Listen, this wasn't just a problem for Derrick Henry early in the season. It was a problem for the offensive line. I mean, Jack Conklin was one of the best rookie right tackles we've seen in the NFL in forever. He comes back this year from his knee injury, and he's a very poor player. I mean, he, you know, I know he's on IR now, but, you know, so did this guy just get bad overnight? Well, no. He struggled to adjust like a lot of players on this offense seem to to what the guy was doing. So now Matt LaFleur changes things up. They do, they do more power running, and suddenly Derrick Henry is thriving. You are right, 408 yards. In the past two games, no player in franchise history has ever hit those heights. Earl Campbell had 405 back in 1978, six touchdowns in the past couple games as well. So, I mean, they've become a run-first type of team, and, and it's suiting them well. Kudos to them for making the adjustment. Of course, it makes you say, why did they wait so long, and why couldn't they figure this out earlier? But, you know, again, they're, they're going right now. And look, Marcus Mariota, when you can win games when you only have to pass for 88 yards, like he did yesterday against the Giants, hey, you're on fire, right? And now they get the Redskins at home. I'm not sure if they're going to be the Redskins uh, with Josh Johnson are going to be able to make that two in a row, but wow, that was, an, that was an, another story right there, beating Jacksonville, and then home against Indianapolis. And Clay, I saw your Twitter, you're thinking, you're thinking Sunday night football, you're already looking ahead week 17, Indianapolis and Tennessee getting flexed with a playoff berth on the line, and that seems very viable at this point. It really does, and, uh, and, and that would be a hell of a game, because basically it is a playoff game um, at that point in time to see who could get in in the AFC. Guys are probably not going to get in this year, but I'm curious what you think they do at the, at the head coaching position. The Browns, they're now 4-2 and two under Greg Williams. I think Baker Mayfield should be the uh, offensive uh, rookie of the year. I think he should get it over Saquon Barkley personally. Uh, but what in the world has gone on there? What do you, is there any chance the Browns give the job to Greg Williams based on the way he, the, the team has responded since he got there? Obviously, Freddie Kitchens, uh, as an offensive coordinator, seems to have really melded well with, uh, with Baker Mayfield. What's going to happen with the Browns? Suddenly, they're not a laughingstock. 
No, they're not. But, you know, you have to wonder, too, behind the scenes. Okay, Greg Williams, what are his ideas for the direction of this franchise? Does he keep Freddie Kitchens? I mean, these guys had no history, to my knowledge, working together. Freddie Kitchens is a Bruce Arians disciple. Does Greg have an idea? Does he want to work with someone else? Does Freddie want to continue to work with Greg Williams? I mean, you know, listen, it's an arranged marriage for right now, right? Because they were both promoted into, into jobs. They weren't hired. You know, they were hired by Hugh Jackson. And, you know, but you see what I'm saying? It was like they were brought in from the outside. They don't, they don't have any past history together, and they were just basically employees. Now, at this point, if Greg is under serious head coaching consideration, he's got to say, do I like Freddie Kitchens for the long term, or can I do better? Do I have someone else in mind? Uh, so I think that's something that you have to consider. I think, too, everything that the Browns are doing is about the development of Baker Mayfield. So if you feel that Freddie Kitchens is that guy, and you know you want to try to keep both, and you think that this relationship can continue, then I think it's something that John Dorsey continues. But I think you have to have a bigger picture issue here about Baker Mayfield and his development. And I think that's where you got to say, can we get a head coach in, you know, the next Matt Nagy, the next Sean McVay, the next quarterback whisperer, so to speak, and move forward as a franchise like that? Because, you know, the defensive coordinator position has been downgraded. You know, really, I mean, we don't talk about teams searching for the next great defensive mind to defuse offenses. No, it's trying to find those offensive coaches that can put points up on the board. Now, you know, that trend may change at some point. I think I mentioned Matt Everflus earlier. I think he's going to be a hothead coaching candidate. Vic Fangio will probably get his interview with the Chicago Bears, if you stand out in any job enough, opportunities are going to come. That being said, I just think these are some of the things that John Dorsey's got to consider. But you're right. And listen, Baker Mayfield just added such a spark. And what I like is that it doesn't get too big for the kids. Like when he's having a rough game, like he was in the first half against the Broncos, you're 7 of 18 to start. He can rebound. He just shrugs it off. He goes 11 for 13 in the second half of that game. The Broncos finally lose to the Browns. The Browns end the 11-game losing streak. To put in perspective how long this losing streak had been going on. Baker Mayfield was five years away from being born the last time Cleveland beat Denver. It's an amazing stat. We're talking to Alex Marvez at Alex Marvez on Twitter. What's going on with the Baltimore quarterback situation, and do you think Lamar Jackson is good enough to take the Ravens into the playoffs? Oh, absolutely, because of the style of football that they play. But everything really comes down to Saturday. And I'll get to Lamar in a second, but, but think about this. They beat the Chargers, and Pittsburgh loses at New Orleans. The Ravens take over the division. And then they just got to beat, and it's not going to be easy, but they got to beat Cleveland at home in Week 17, a team that beat them earlier this year for the first victory, starting victory of Baker Mayfield's career. They lose on Saturday? Oh, boy. Because if the Steelers, Titans, and Colts all win, Baltimore is eliminated from postseason contention. That is the way the playoffs work. Listen, Lamar Jackson, what he's doing is, is pretty much unprecedented, right? I mean, he's the first quarterback since 1950, Joe Nary with the Pittsburgh Steelers, to rush for 14 or more times in four games during a season. But look at these rushing numbers. It is absolutely amazing. They go for 242 against Tampa Bay. They've averaged 230.4 yards in their past five games. They've rushed for at least 190 yards in five straight games. The first team to do that since the 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers with Franco and Rocky. And they've averaged 3607 in time of possession. A guy named Gus Edwards has gone for three straight 100-yard outings in five games. I mean, and the guy hasn't gotten tackled for a loss yet. How about that for a running back? No tackles for loss during the past five games. It has been absolutely ridiculous. This defense is solid. You know what? It makes you say, why didn't you guys do this earlier? Why, why did it take a hip injury to Joe Flacco to put Lamar Jackson in the lineup? Is it Look, is it sustainable for long-term success, Clay? Probably not. You know, you expose a quarterback to all those hits, and ultimately something bad is going to happen. I mean, just ask RG 
33. He's on the Ravens. But for right now, you know, just finding a formula to get through the season to win games, the Ravens are doing it. But again, huge matchup against the Chargers on Saturday. When you look at, uh, there's a couple of interesting quarterback situations, I think, out there now that have to be decided in the state of Florida, where you live. Jacksonville is just a disaster. Uh, I mean, just an abject disaster. They managed to lose to the Redskins. I think they had 20 yards passing, if I'm not mistaken. Cody Kessler, like everything about this is just a disaster. What are they going to do? Can they get rid of Bortles? Are they? I, I just, I have no clue. Are they going into the draft and taking somebody in the first round now? Is Tom Coughlin going to take over this job? I mean, this is one of the biggest disasters that I can remember when you consider that the that the, the Jags were 3 and 1 and a lot of people were talking about them as Super Bowl contenders and since that time the math is even hard to do here uh, i believe they are 1 and 9 in their last 10 and the yep. entire wheels seem to have come off this franchise yeah, and they're going to start dismantling the roster with some high-priced guys. You already see Barry Church get released. You saw Malik Jackson. His playtime has gone down. I think even Calais Campbell may be in jeopardy of getting released, and, I, and just because of the salary cap implications. I think this is a little bit of TBA here, Clay, and I'm not trying to, to not answer the question, but first, I don't, you know, I, I did think that Doug Marone was safe as head coach of the Jags, you know, going into 2019 and have a chance to clean this up. I, I'm not as certain of that anymore with the way that this season is going from what I understand. So we'll see. we got to monitor that situation. Tom Coughlin, I'm just not sure if Jags management wants him to go down to the sideline. I think they want Tom to continue in his role. Listen, they made a bad talent assessment. They, they thought Blake Bortles was going to turn the corner. And as an organization, from the coaching staff to the people making the personnel moves, they believed in him. And, and Dave Caldwell, the general manager, was the one beating the drum the loudest. They thought that what you saw from Blake in 2017 was sustainable, that he was going to continue to evolve as a quarterback. He was going to make plays with his legs, and this offense was going to be fine. They were going to run the football. I mean, remember, they made Andrew Norwell the highest-paid guard in NFL history. Yes, that was their big offseason investment. Not a quarterback, but a guard. And then the other thing that they did, they went all in on Bortles. They didn't draft Lamar Jackson when they had that chance late in the first round. They took Taven Bryan on their defensive line. So they left themselves without a developmental quarterback. This is the thing about the Jaguars. If they have a high draft pick, you can go with a rookie quarterback, but you've got a roster ready to win now. So the question becomes comes do you get is this a two-pronged move here you draft a quarterback really high and the, and the Jags again putting themselves in position for a top five pick and there are some teams that have those early picks like Arizona's not going to draft a quarterback again I don't see Oakland drafting a quarterback again with the way Derek Carr is playing so you know there's going to be opportunities to move up it's going to cost you draft picks but do you also need a bridge quarterback does a Joe Flacco come into play here if the Giants jettison Eli Manning does Tom Coughlin say hey for one year we can bring him in we'll start him we'll have him as a mentor we'll be pretty good and get this rookie quarterback ready to go in case they're not ready to play right away I mean this is the way of the world. So I, I don't see Blake Bortles coming back. Clay, it's not cost prohibitive. It's not pleasant to have to swallow some salary cap money, $6.5 million, I believe, in dead money against their cap. But it's a $190 million cap. They can get by. But the big question is, where do they pick in the draft? And then what veteran options are out there available if you do want that bridge quarterback? All right. The other team in Florida eliminated from playoff contention for the 11th straight year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now they basically have a decision to make with Jameis Winston. Maybe they want to see what he can do uh, in the final couple of games of the year still, but what are they going to do? My impression from, from the people I talked to there is that the front office will keep Jameis Winston, but that being said, who's going to be in the front office? 
who's your coach? You know, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I, you know, listen, everyone is, is throwing, you know, dirt on Dirk Cutter and all that and, and burying him, you know, just maybe next to the, in the tube, you know, in the tomb next to the Patriots, right? But the guy's an incredible offensive coach. The, the weird part about Tampa Bay, Clay, and this is the thing that, that I think is just probably so maddening for Bucks fans. You've got Mike Evans having a career year, right? I mean, he already set the franchise receiving record with 1,328 yards. The Bucks are the only team in top five in all-time passing yards through 15 games. All-time passing yards through 15 games that didn't reach the postseason. We're talking 4,464 passing yards gone to waste. They're on pace for the most points and yards in franchise history, and they're out of the postseason for the 11th straight year. It is maddening. So if Dirk Cutter's gone, is Jason Light gone? That's a fair question. Jason Light and, and Dirk Cutter were the guys entrusted to developing Jameis Winston. My feeling is the Bucks play this out for one more season. It's not cost prohibitive to have Jameis Winston on your team. A $21 million salary is actually you know below market value. Value as far as the top tier guys, you know, when it comes to quarterbacking. So I think he gets another chance. Maybe they take a, you know, a quarterback to develop. Uh, you know, again, though, it depends who the general manager is. I don't see the extension coming for Jameis Winston, but I think the odds are he's back. The big question is, are Dirk Cutter and, and, and uh, Jason Light going to be there with him? All right, last question for you. Quick answer. Who wins tonight mm-hmm. between the Panthers and the Saints? I'm going with the Saints, but honestly, Panthers winning wouldn't surprise me. Back against the wall, man. Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, are they going to be back in 2019 if this team continues its free fall? I think the Saints are a better team. The Panthers just have too many issues on the defensive side of the football. Outstanding stuff as always. Alex Marvez, we'll talk to you next week as this playoff picture continues to play itself out. Thank you, Mr. Travis. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Um, There is going to be a game flexed on Sunday Night Football. There are several different games that are in the mix for potentially being flexed, and I don't think they'll announce it until, what, Sunday? Uh, Sometimes Sunday evening uh, when they actually know which game will have the most playoff implications. That's what they try to do in general. And Colts-Titans is, I think, a prohibitive favorite to be the game that's flexed Uh, because that game is likely. I think, again, the Colts are hosting the Giants and the Titans are hosting the Washington Redskins. Both of those teams are big favorites if you look ahead uh, in terms of Vegas probabilities for what's likely to happen. The Titans are right now a 10-point favorite over the Redskins. That game will be played on Saturday. Um, and uh, right now, the Colts are a nine and a half point favorite against the Giants, who were eliminated from playoff contention uh, last week or yesterday by the Titans. So you would think that both the Colts and the Titans are likely to win at home against uh, lesser teams from the NFC East. If that happens, then nine and six Titans against nine and six Colts is likely to be for the final playoff spot in the AFC, which would make that effectively a playoff game and so uh, that's the game that would likely get pushed to a evening kickoff in Nashville uh, which would put a a lot at stake there by the way if you're paying attention to the playoff picture and you're wondering as we come down the stretch the Ravens are going on the road against the Chargers that's a Saturday night game Uh, the Chargers are a four and a half point favorite in that game I've not yet seen a uh, a line for Texans Eagles as the Eagles come out of their uh, their performance there um, in terms of significant playoff game uh, picture games. The uh, Patriots are a twelve point favorite over the Bills, and uh, let's see what other games are out there that are significant 
uh, the Saints right now, a six and a half point favorite over the Steelers. And in what will be a really big game, Chiefs on the road against the Seahawks. The Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite over the Seahawks. Uh, massive game there. Uh, so all, all of those, uh, all of those games, all in uh, in uh, in consideration. We'll see as the playoff picture continues to reveal itself. Um, I think I teased. What did I tease? I don't even remember exactly what I teased went to break. I said, oh, the game we got going on tonight. We've got the Panthers hosting the Saints. Why does this game matter? Well, obviously, the Saints have uh, have been running roughshod over pretty much everybody, notwithstanding the performance they put up against the Cowboys. But to me, the Saints have a one-and-a-half point game, uh, one-and-a-half game lead with three to go in the wake of the Rams' loss last night. If they win this game, and they are a six-and-a-half point favorite in the game tonight against the Panthers' Monday Night Football, then Drew Brees can solidify his Monday Night Football. Uh, Drew Brees can solidify his uh, MVP standing if he has a really good game tonight against the Panthers. And the Saints can set themselves up to be playing at home in New Orleans where they would only need to win one of their final two to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs and the number one overall seed in the NFC. So this is a pretty big game for the Saints. And uh, also, it is, I think Ron Rivera is on his last legs as the coach of the Panthers. Remember, the Panthers were 6-2, and two, and they have now lost five games in a row. People talking about, including me, hey, Cam Newton looks like uh, MVP Cam again. Man, the Panthers look like a real threat. And now they're sitting at 6-7, and seven, and effectively they can be pretty much eliminated from playoff contention if they go out and they lose at home in this Monday night football game in Carolina. So, does anybody on the show, feel free to speak forward, anybody on the show have any faith at all in the Panthers as we go into this uh, this Monday night football game? I think it's going to be a close game, so I'm going to say the Panthers will cover, but the Saints will ride off with the W. I don't think so. I think the Saints are going to come out and play. The thing about the Saints, and look, I tweeted last night, if the Saints lose this game, then everybody just has to throw up their hands and say, we got no idea what's going on in the NFL right now because it would mean that there isn't even remotely close to a prohibitive favorite in the the entire playoff picture, right? I mean, that would be the takeaway, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If the Saints lose then you look at the NFL and you say, man, I got no idea what's going to happen from one week to the next in this entire league. Uh, But if the Saints go out and win, I think they have to be a substantial favorite to win the Super Bowl because I think they would at that point in time, that would get them to 12-2, and be the unquestioned best record in all the NFL, and everybody would have to be looking at the Saints and saying, you know what, not only do they have the offense with Drew Brees, and Michael Thomas and everything they've been able to do with Kamara and with uh, uh, with Ingram, they have the ability to shut down people defensively. I think they would have the best combination of dominant offense and dominant defense in the entire league. So this, to me, is a uh, statement game for the Saints. With everybody watching, they can basically come out and say, we are the best team in the NFL. And in order to beat us NFC, you are going to have to come through the Superdome where we've only lost one game all year and it was the first week of the season 
and it was against Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's the statement game that the Saints have an opportunity to make. On the flip side, Carolina Panthers, if they could somehow win this game, and then the Saints bounce back and they beat the Steelers, you could hope if you are the Panthers that you win your final three because the Saints would rest all their starters in the final week of the season in the Superdome probably, and they just wouldn't really care what the outcome of that game would be. Then you get in a little bit to the difficult analysis of, as a coach, do I really want to rest my starters in the final week of the regular season if we're also going to get a bye week so we wouldn't be playing a significant game for three weeks? And you also have to balance out, hey, what do you do about, you know, want Drew Brees to get injured in a game that doesn't matter at all? It's all kind of a complicated question at that point for Sean Payton. It's a good problem to have, but I think the Saints will come out and play really well tonight. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.